Morning Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mr. Johnny Crypto, Gonzo, the Crypto Goliath, the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G, and Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Gary Gensler gives some clear indications on how the SEC plans to regulate crypto. With all the hypocrisy going on in our market today, do you believe the SEC will be able to provide clarity? South Korea is launching its final phase for a central bank digital currency. We show our listeners what blockchains are poised to benefit from this digital revolution. Mark Cuban addresses how children are growing up around crypto, stating any crypto without utility is going away. And in a world of forever evolving technology, we bring our listeners a microchip implant that could change the world of payments forever. Ripple CTO David Schwartz said he made a big mistake passing up on XRP in 2014, and our Good Morning Crypto team has discovered an article from 2015 explaining how Cardano launched their ICO outside of U.S. soil. With rogue government agencies attacking cryptocurrencies within our borders, our group debates why this update could be more important than ever. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So guys, we got some amazing news this weekend. We had all the time in the world to deep dive on this crypto stuff. So that's exactly what we did. But we got Mr. Johnny Crypto in the building. Johnny Crypto, it looks like you just rolled out of bed. I hope you brought your energy this morning, my friend. How you feeling? Well, first of all, good afternoon every or good morning, everybody. How are you today? Did not roll out of bed. I've been up for two hours already. But I'm doing well. And hopefully everybody else is doing well. Good to see all the brothers out there today. So hopefully everybody uh, had a good weekend and have a good week up ahead. Awesome. We're excited to have you, Johnny. We're going to kick it to the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G. I know you got some Ethereum analysis. You got some XRP analysis. What else you got for our listeners? How are you feeling this morning, my friend? Hey, good morning. Thank you, Apps. And also, thank you guys for, for the lovely comments. Literally, I love it to see everyone super active and smashing the like button and all these pos- positive words in the chat. Thank you guys so much. And it's a Beautiful week, finally, right? Nice start into the week. Green candles everywhere. Is it time to be super bullish again or not? We're going to discuss about uh, discuss that. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Thank you. I got to admit, I'm more excited for this show than usual just because of all the discussions we're going to have. We're going to talk about Satoshi. We're going to oh. talk about Cardano. We're going to talk about regulation and XRP, but we're going to talk to the crypto Goliath first. Gonzo, good morning, my friend. Why don't you show him the diamond hands gear and how you feeling? As always, as always, I'm doing good, man. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, it was a great weekend. Shelly and I had a great weekend. It was our one-year anniversary on Friday, so we had a really good time. Spent some time together, and then I got to uh, catch up on some of my research. So, yeah, dude, it's been great. I'm looking forward to a really good show and a really good week. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gonzo, and congratulations on your anniversary. Mr. Cashflow, I feel like it's been forever since you've been on stream together. It's great to see you, my friend. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, good morning, everybody. For me, it's good afternoon, 5 5 p.m. at the moment. Uh, I must say it was an excellent weekend. M- a lot of sunshine. Actually, we went to Germany. I had a nice dinner on a, on a terrace. And uh, I'm always happy to be in the Good Morning Crypto Show, always seeing those uh, smiley faces and also in the, in the comments, in the chat. So uh, happy to be here again. Amazing. I'm happy to have you, Andrew. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do, by showing you guys 
our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every member of our team and we will be live at 8 p.m. tonight. So come and check out, interact with us. That's always a good time. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, it's still sitting in extreme here, but we're climbing, Johnny. We are at a 20. Nothing worth addressing, I don't think, but the total coin market cap, we are finally back over $1 trillion this morning. We are sitting at $1.01 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is about 42%. Ethereum is almost 18% dominance on the day. And this is some really exciting stuff. We're finally bottoming out and climbing out of this zone. So Bitcoin is at $22,100. Ethereum is about $1,500. XRP is $0.36. Cents. Cardano is $0.49. Cents. Polkadot, just below $8. Avalanche, $23. Stellar is $0.11. Cents. Algorand is $0.36. Cents. And HBAR is $0.07 cents this morning. I'd love to start off with Gonzo. Gonzo. What catches your mind about what's going on in the market today? And what do you think about the slight pump we're having this morning? It's very small, but it is exciting to see. Um, you know what? I think it just kind of clarifies or to the point of, you know, especially like I was looking at Ethereum, right? Like when we were talking about, like I, I was dollar cost averaging into Ethereum anytime it was below a thousand or right at a thousand. Now, when you look at, we got this relief, right? Now we got to take it in levels, right? Uh, we got above that 22.5. Uh, for Bitcoin, I think the next level it's coming up is like we got to look at 23. Uh, you know, I, I've always said I think that in this relief bounce, you know, I'm looking at 27,000. But you can see how the alts have reacted by just like the influx of money into Bitcoin, right? That's why we always talk about it. Not that we're Bitcoin maxis, but because it moves the market. But I think Ethereum is actually doing a lot better than than Bitcoin is. Uh, uh, but I'm looking at the 1700 level for that. But you know, just more of the same. Don't get too excited. You know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if you start to get that sentiment of all of a sudden everybody acting or the the main media uh, acting as if like this thing's over with and we're going back up to 100K, right? Like th that always happens. It's either an extreme bear thing or an extreme bull thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to kick it to you here. You took some extreme heat this weekend because of your Satoshi take last week. You said you didn't care who Satoshi was, and I'd love to hear some comments now. Do you care who Satoshi is, and what are some of your overall thoughts on the market this morning? Well, first of all, we'll talk about overall markets. I've always felt that we would get, uh, we would bottom out in July, as I said, and we would get a little pump, and here it is. It's happening. Said it spot on. We're seeing that happen. I think we'll see that drift maybe for a month or two. And then I think it'll be a major crash coming. So uh, get your exit plans ready. Uh, make sure you're ready to get out of it. In terms of the Satoshi thing, I mean, you know, the reality is when you look at Bitcoin and you look at the code, code's already written. It's already running on a bunch of nodes. So at this point, does it matter who Satoshi is? That's number one. Number two, hard cap has 21 million coins and that code is already written. And so does it matter who Satoshi is? That hard cap isn't going to change unless you've got a whole bunch of node operators. You have a bunch of miners. All that the whole community has to come together to agree whether those changes can come on in the future. So when you look at Bitcoin's true value, its value is 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 basically based on the key fact that it has a hard cap of 21 million coins. That's what's driving it. When you listen to the billionaires and they say why they like it so much, they say because it, it's, it's practically unhackable and it's uninflatable. It's, you know, because of the uh, the fact that it has a minimum or maximum of 21 million coins. Neither one of those two things are going to change because of some guy or maybe a group of guys or somebody who wrote it many, many years ago. That that doesn't matter. So when I look at <clears throat> in terms of the value of Bitcoin and where it's going in the future, to me, it doesn't matter who wrote it. What matters is going forward, 
what the, the mentality and the mindset is of the billionaires and millionaires and people who are going to trade it. Because let's face it, it's no different than fiat currency. The only reason why fiat currency has value is because somebody else is willing to take it in barter exchange because everybody has faith behind it. So, Johnny, just to give you the opposite end of the argument, right? So maybe some of the people who are debating whether Satoshi is important or not, I think the two things they're considering is, one, who has access to the million Bitcoin that are sitting in Satoshi's wallet? And number two, what's the deal? Who created Bitcoin and what was the purpose? If it was created by Russia or if it was created by a United States agency, I I do think it changes the direction at which it was perceived when it was first created. But I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on what the narratives could be going on in the background. Anybody who listens to Dan Pena... He always talks about that if we knew who Bitcoin, who created Bitcoin, it would go to zero. That's how he says it. Zero overnight. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts, Johnny. All right. So let's let's say we find out tomorrow that Russia created it. You think Michael Saylor is going to dump four billion dollars worth of Bitcoin tomorrow? Does it no, change? That? No, but it would tell me that Russia has access to a million Bitcoin sitting in that original Satoshi wallet. Okay. So they have access to a million. So so Jeb 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 had access to nine billion. And he dumped it. And so somebody's going to dump it. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals behind how it works, everybody knows. Everybody knows the code. Everybody knows how it works. And everybody knows what it's doing. So, yeah, will you get some FUD instantly? Of course. There'll be a little FUD. It'll drop down. And then it'll come back up again. And we'll just move on, in my opinion. So that's why I really don't personally care who made it or spending time trying to figure it out. Because here's the reality. You ain't ever going to find out. They ain't going to tell you the truth because if they did, they wouldn't have hit it in the first place. So to me, it's just not worth wasting the energy. There's so many other things to focus on. None of us are Bitcoin maximalists here. We don't really care about it. I have like 0.0001% of my portfolio in Bitcoin, so who cares? But the reality is for me, that's why I don't really care so much about it. I think there's better places to put your energy and learning all the real world solves. We all know Bitcoin will never be a real world solve. It's utility and scalability is crap, right? So we know it's going to be a store of value. And if some people decide, billionaires decide that that's going to do that and everybody starts putting their 401ks into it, it's going to end up being a store of value. And to me, that's all that really matters. Gonzo, I want to kick it to you here, but we do have 239 live listeners out there. If you agree or disagree with Johnny, we still appreciate you for tuning in. So show us some love and smash that like button. But Gonzo, I want to give you the floor. Please tell us what your take is, my friend. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to just point out the important part of diversification, right? And and this is why we preach like, uh, don't be a maximalist, whether it's a Bitcoin maximalist, maximalist, XRP army, Cardano gang, whatever you want to call it. Um, that That's not good. You have to diversify because we can't tell the future is, do I think that we're going to win the SEC lawsuit? Yes, I do. What happens if we don't? What happens if XRP, they do something or they pull a rug pull on us and the XRP goes to zero? Right. And all your investments were tied up to XRP and now you're wiped out. That's why I think it's important to diversify. Right. Whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Quant, ADA, whatever it is, you want to make sure, just like we say, diversify over platforms, diversify over cryptos. Right. Because we can make an educated guess on where we're going to go. But ultimately, we don't know. And the more bets that you have that are out there, the higher the likelihood that you're going to succeed. Exactly, Gonzo. And I do want to hear from Andrew Cashflow this morning. Andrew Cashflow, feel free to address the overall market. I know it's been a little while since we've heard from you or address this conversation we're having now. Do you care who Satoshi is? Um, no, no, I don't. I don't care at all. And um, actually about the, the usability of Bitcoin, I'm, I do not agree with, uh, with, with Johnny 
because I know there is the Lightning Network, and I know a lot of third world countries are using currently the Lightning Network because <clears throat> that gives them, they are the unbanked, and that gives them just a, a way to, to, to pay with their crypto. However, it's, it's small money, but actually, and I like that kind of development, and we can say, oh, it, it's not big enough, and it's small, and but still. And the other thing I like so much about Bitcoin is the proof of work concept, because proof of works gives Bitcoin value. And maybe a lot of people will not agree with me, but because you have to put in so much work, so much energy, that's, that's the, end. It's the same, same with gold. You also have to put a lot of work, a lot of energy into gold, and, and that gives gold the value. So, you know, actually, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with Bitcoin. Uh, I'm not a maximalist, absolutely not. But um, yeah, I think it, it, it's just a, 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 a decent part in the whole crypto sphere. And, and next to that, I'm, I agree with, with Gonzo. You, you should diversify. And, and, and that, that's so important. Joe, do not just focus on two or three cryptos. And what I learned today again, I, I, I listened to a podcast of Aaron Bennett today about, uh, about Celsius, because he's the guy who always made a summary about for two years or more than two years about the Q&A's with, uh, with Alex Mashinsky about, uh, about, about Celsius, what he was telling. The, the, the amount of <coughs> BS that is coming up at the moment. And it was always, Alex was always talking about sunny weather and it was, was excellent and beautiful. And again, what you learn here in this space, trust nobody, just trust nobody. Everybody can can make a beautiful story. It's like oh, I have to go in. FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. No, no, don't go in. Stick to your strategy. Wait till a coin drops in value and buy at specific points, and not go in every uh, at one time and uh, with all your money. And then indeed spread it out over several coins. Take some top ten <coughs> coins and take uh, 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 several. Uh, yeah other coins which are outside the coin market cap uh, top uh, top 10 or top 20. Yeah, put some stuff on staking. I would say do not stake at the moment on centralized platforms. You cannot trust them at all. <coughs> yes, that's very fitting. Hey, 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 Abs, just to kind of close this out. By the way, Andrew, I do agree with you that there are third world countries that are using Bitcoin today because they can't use any other currency today. And they're kind of stuck with it. And so they're using it and... It is actually has some use cases. Now, I think in the future, as other opportunities come out more efficient, better, they may re replace it. But as of right now, we are seeing that Bitcoin has two uses in developing countries. We're seeing it as a store of value. And in third world countries, we're actually seeing it as a payment system. And so we're, how that shakes out, you know, it'll play out how it plays out I, again. But I think Dan Buchanan nailed it the best. And this is why I love it. You know, I think whoever it turns out to be, Satoshi will be a snake rat weasel. So, Dan, I don't know where you got those words from, but I totally agree with you that I do believe that is the case. So I think we can close out here. I'll turn it back to you. Awesome. Thank you, Johnny. And you know what I love about this conversation is each one of us has a different take and nobody's correct or incorrect. We're going to watch this thing play out over a long period of time. But I do want to kick it to Selman G here. Selman, feel free to give your Bitcoin take and then dive into some technical analysis on both Ethereum and XRP for our listeners out there. Thank you, Abs. Um, well, guys, I just want to add something. It's really interesting. Um, so Andrew Cashflow talked about POW, right? 
And uh, I was watching a 30-minute video where David Schwartz, the CTO of Ripple, uh, talked about how POW is actually not efficient at all. It's like uh, like a blockchain that has no incentives for validators, et cetera, is better, which is XRPL. So he talked about that. But I have no um, actually no op- clear like or final opinion on that. I'm still doing the research as of right now would be really tough to say, hey, proof of stake is better than this or that. So, um, but it's it, it was just interesting. And also, guys, you know, in the past, for example, things happen in the political er- like arena. And then later, 50 years later, the CIA opened files, documents, and people were like, oh, it was a government operation. And then like, but nobody cared. It was like closed and then people moved on. And that's why I believe even if it, like even if the people outside or in the crypto space um, uh, would hear about like, oh, Russia is behind crypto or Bitcoin, nothing would change. I would uh, I would say there is a little volatility for a couple of weeks and then everything would be as normal as before. So that's why I believe, you know, Bitcoin is here to stay. It is um, well known. And yeah, let's dive into technicals. Uh, very interesting, actually, what's happening. So I'd like to start off by saying that the dollar index is finally at a resistance. And I would love to see um, a nice trend reversal here. So it's definitely going to take some time because we're talking about the weekly time frame. So it is something that might take end of this year to see a nice trend reversal, right? So we could see some consolidation up here, but it's really going to take a couple months. You see, I'm just moving my mouse just a tiny bit and it's already October, November. So that's why I'm saying, hey, it will take some time. But trust me, guys, historically, end of this year, like end of a year uh, after the bull market was like pretty much the bottom of the cycle. So could be, you know, end of this year or very like early next year that we see a real bottom formation. And if you check out S&P, for example, momentum is getting stronger. RSI is close to, you know, um, get broken. And we got a channel formation here. We're probably like most likely going to close the day. I'm on the daily time frame. Close above the 21 EMA. That's bullish. But we have a falling trend. If we can manage to break above anytime soon, there you will have more bullish sentiment in the market and that's going to reflect on bitcoin as well and it's going to be uh like interesting very very crazy if you check out the tether dominance for example this is also really cool a couple of days ago we we shared it on twitter or on discord that um we got a red cross diamond and for tether dominance particularly um whenever we saw a tether, like a red cross diamond it was a sign that we're really going to see a pullback and that's great whenever tether, the dominance for tether drops you see markets pump uh at, bitcoin goes up and now we're approaching the 6.64% level and probably 5.98 is the bottom well let's just hope that we can break below and a new bull market would start but it might be you know that you know that we, that we go down to 6% and then finally go higher but maybe this is going to act as resistance right so and that could be the bottom formation end of this year we don't know but we'll see but for now it looks really sexy now if we check out ethereum i don't want to do bitcoin for now but like ethereum is interesting volley of course momentum is getting stronger we got a trend reversal signal it's not confirmed we're waiting for that green dot it's of course not working 100%, but it still tells me we're close to a resistance, right? So let me 
actually zoom in. We're close to resistance zone, which is fifteen hundred, uh, like thousand five hundred fifty dollars and seventeen hundred. That I would personally, what I would do is I would take some profits here or exit. And then wait until we see a clear break and a retest above to go back in because the risk of just buying now or the risk of just huddling is a little too high because, you know, we're still in a bear market. We don't know if uh, we're forming a new bullish trend. But if so, worst case, you know, we got a great resistance at 2,500 and of course that falling trend, but we have lots of time to see that level. And last but not least, of course, Ripple XRP. You can see momentum is getting stronger. Money is, it looks like money is flowing in again. Now for Ripple, what I could say is, well, historically we are at a resistance zone. This is on the logarithmic scale. Of course, we got a, um, a trend which is acting as resistance for now. So we need to break above. Let me show you basically above 36 cents. We need to close the day above 36 cents to see a little bit more bullishness but between 40 cents and 44 cents we got resistance so for ripple xrp it is a little difficult we got multiple resistance zones but uh volume is slowly increasing again which is nice but um yeah we we actually conquered the 21 ema a couple days ago which is great but that trend reversal aspect right at resistance gives me the feeling that you know people are to becoming too confident at the moment let's just wait and see hey getting in at 36 cents looks better than getting in at 44 cents but trust me guys the risk is way lower at buying at 44 cents because when you see a clear structure a nice trend um buying in a bullish trend is better with low risk than buying now it's just like buying a falling knife you don't know maybe it's going to get rejected and we see another 30 percent drop so Wait, relax, and uh, but for now, it looks kind of good, really focusing on S&P, Dow Jones, and the dollar index. That could really bring us to uh, some great levels, above 50 cents maybe soon. Let's see. Awesome. Thank you so much, Selman. And if you guys enjoyed that technical analysis, please show our team some love and smash that like button. We got over 300 live listeners out there. And with this first article, I'd love to go to Johnny Crypto first just because of the tweet and the way it is phrased. So a big warning is coming at the end of this month for the stock market and the cryptocurrency industry. On July 27th and 28th, it's going to be a very turbulent time as the Federal Reserve will announce the information regarding rising interest rates probably on July 17th. It's expected to be between 75 and 100 basis points. Johnny Crypto, people are talking about this pump and they're getting very optimistic, but we see some negative news on the horizon at the end of this month. What does this say to you about what we're going through right now? Is this an opportunity to exit the market before we regress further? Or is this the bottom when we're starting to uptrend? Well, <laughs> I, I can't hey, play the guessing game, Johnny. We're nobody in has that. Nobody <laughs> has the answer, right? But 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 obviously people will hold us to it. But so here's the thing. Right now, the way the market works, it's always thinking ahead. It's already baked in. Um, I think I saw there's a they baked in a 40% chance of 100 basis points, and I think a 70 or 80% chance of 0.75. So right now that 0.75, um, <laughs> yeah, don't sell your kids. By the way, we just joke around when we sell when we say we sell the kids and the cats. Really, don't go sell your kids and the cats uh, or your houses. But uh, thank uh, you for clarifying, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to make sure because you know people take us literally. So I'm just being very. Don't sell your kids. No financial advice. Yeah, not financial. <laughs> if you do, that's fine. That's on you. Uh, but anyway, 
so we know that there's about a 0.75 already baked in. That's pretty much done deal. The question is whether it's going to be 100 points or not basis. And there's about a 40% chance of that baked in. So I'd actually like to see that number go higher. I like to see when the markets over anticipate something, because then when it doesn't happen, you'll get a boom. If it's the other way around, you'll get a bust. And so I don't think anybody's going to be surprised. And as we get closer to that date, that number will adjust even more and you'll see the markets react to it. So now the question is, what's that mean for the, for, for the crypto market? Well, frankly, I think the crypto market has really been um, more in, in opposite correlation to the USD as we've been talking about. And we've seen the USD as pumped as, as uh, and we know we think it might've topped out. So I think we're going to get now, typically when we see these bull runs, they typically tend to be short, like two, three week pumps in crypto. And then they pull back a bit. So you know, what, whether that happens or not. Yeah, I did see Canada got 100 basis points. Again, I think we're going to be between 75 and 100. And I don't think the markets are going to rock that much, ultimately, at the end of the day. I think it's going to be, as long as it's one of those two numbers, I don't think you'll see much of it. But if it's higher than that, holy crap, that's going to rock the market. And if it's lower than that, you're just going to get more of a pump. Thank you, Johnny. And anybody who watches our show knows we love to talk about the World Economic Forum. And this first article we have for you guys today it's quite scary. So would you implant a tiny debit card chip into your hand? Forget about fingerprint or facial recognition. A biometric payment is being touted as the future of global payments here. So WalletMore claims to be the first company to sell contactless bank card chips. The procedure to fit one leaves customers with one small stitch below their wrist. And once the chip is in, users no longer have to bother to swipe their debit or credit cards. Instead, to make a purchase, you can simply wait your hand over a contactless payment reader. Mr. Andrew Cashflow, I have my own personal opinions about this. I don't understand how this is an advantage to swiping your credit card. Why would I have surgery to put something in my body? I do not know, but we'll dive into that later, Andrew Cashflow. What's on your mind? What, what I will do is I will do it immediately if I was a dog or a cat or a horse or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not, it's terrifying. Really. It really is. It's terrifying. And you know what catches my attention, Andrew, is what is the advantage here, right? Like what problem are they solving? Is it really that difficult for people to just swipe your card like this? Or is this the beginning of something else where, you know what, if you can't pick a different credit card, if you're locked into one form of payment, it's easier to control that form of payment. And I think that's an example of this. They, they, do, they just want to control the people, you know, and, and the more if the, 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 so the, the bridge has to be made from Internet, we, we currently have Internet of Things. And we should go to Internet of Human Beings. And this is the, this, this, this could be a missing link. So I would say over my dead body, no chip in my body. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm a free guy. So, but I can imagine yeah, that, that banks and, and, and governments really like this. And uh, will it will become true? I don't know. I'm, I'm also not, uh, not uh, injected with the V. And uh, I think I will also not be injected here with the, with the, with the, with, with the chip. Yeah. And I think I'm going to pass on the chip as well. But I do think what's going to happen is in 2020, we learned how quickly narratives can change. And when the lockdown first happened, nobody wanted to be locked down. And then when it happened, nobody wanted to leave their houses again. So I think that once a digital payment system like this starts to become adopted, if you don't get this technology, if you aren't holding this chip in your hand, you may be left behind or excluded from a lot of opportunities, but I'd love to hear from Selman. Selman, what do you think about this wearable technology? And you're a younger guy. I believe you're 25 years old. How long is it or inevitable is it that me and you, well, we're going to have to have this chip if we want to be involved in, in a lot of the traditional finance. I mean, bro, you and I, we won't get that. Um, 
only those that are really uh, caught up um, with all these marketing BS. And and um, trust me, they're going to come and say, hey, it's completely healthy. Like th th there is nothing to be um, scared, afraid of. But like, unfortunately, there are going to be millions of people probably doing that because it's convenient, right? But um, I would agree with Andrew Cashflow. And I would even say all the rat weasels should do it first, should get that first before, you know, they test it on humans. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's horrible. It's just scary. But you see all these movies, they um, literally predicted this years ago or decades ago. And, um, yeah, it's it's just horrifying. But you can't change it. We can only try to activate people and, and um, wake them up. That's pretty much it. Johnny Bellino said, guys, nobody's going to get this chip until Apple comes out with one. And I think that's very ironic because it's true, right? Apple already tracks us on our iPhones. They already track all of our data and they even sell it. And we don't get to profit off of that. So I think this is another step in that direction. But Johnny Crypto, inform our listeners. You have to understand that uh, the majority of people, because people are lazy, they don't do homework. They just listen to what they're told on the screen. The TV tells them the sky is orange and they'll believe the sky is orange. If the TV tells them it's time to get a chip because of all these great benefits that they're going to sell you. Oh, you don't need your wallet no more. You can go into anything. Just wave your hand. It's going to people are going to they're going to trip over each other to get this chip in their hand as quickly as possible. Because the narrative that's going to be sold to them is like this is pie in the sky. They're going to they're going to love it. It's, you know, so that's what's going to happen. And then someone says, no, he's not getting it. But the reality is because he's young, he might. 30 years from now, you might have a choice. You may not even be able to freaking put gas in your car or do anything. Well, you won't even have gas anymore. You might not be able to pay your mortgage. You might not be able to do anything if you don't have that stupid thing in your hand, which is going to be able to, you know, the real reality is that's just to track you, right, to know where you are at all times. And if you're a bad citizen, we'll just turn that chip off. And guess what? You swipe your hand. You're like, oh, no payment. You swipe again, still no payment. And yet you still got the chip in your hand. So at the end of the day, it's a very, very, you know, awful thing, but it's coming. There's no way to stop it. It's already in all the pets. Anytime you get a pet, they they slap the, They already put my cats already got a chip in it. So they already they're already doing it to pets, and they're just going to upgrade it to humans slowly over time. And they'll do it very slowly. They're not going they're not going to force it on you. It's just going to be slowly and gradually. And at some point, you're not going to be able to do anything without it, in my opinion. But I think that's going to be many years away, and I probably won't be around then. But hopefully, you guys won't have to get it yep and johnny um co completely agree with you like there's going to be great marketing campaigns and you're going to feel left out because all your friends got yes. it and it's just so convenient yes. uh but like when i see ken mac and other people that you know are free right um, and could immediately travel to another country they have houses pretty much everywhere um mm -hmm. i believe you know if we i don't think that the billionaires would get it but um, you're absolutely right. Like, if we can't get out of that hamster wheel, um, you have no choice. You Correct. could be forced if we have that communist system maybe in the future. But I believe this is a time where we really need to manifest and focus on generational wealth building to have that option to fly out to another country, right? So, yes. Yeah. Agree with you totally. That's probably the only chance. You got to get to billionaire status. Totally agree. And I want to kick it to Gonzo here. But when Selman has these types of conversations, it reminds me of the people who said they weren't going to have an iPhone, right? Like in the beginning, it might be up for debate. You might want to be a boomer. I'm not going to use the iPhone. I'm going to use my flip phone. I'm not going to use the chip. I'm going to use my iPhone. But then 20, 30 years later, the innovation gets so great and it becomes so mass adopt that you don't have a choice, especially for people like us who are in their 20s, early 20s. It seems like by 2040, 2050, you can only imagine where this technology is going to be. But Gonzo, I'd love to hear from you here. 
Yeah, you know, I just wanted to add that, it, you know, it's just unfortunate and, and it and it happens with, with mainstream or sheeple, whatever you want to call it, that um, it, it's a constant theme in our society that, that people give up their rights, their sovereignty for convenience. It's either through the act of convenience or through the fear mongering of, you know, for your safety, for your security, right? That's how they got the Patriot Act after 9-11 through, right? Uh, where where we, we lost a bunch of rights. And so this will be some of the same thing. But, and, and it's sad because you're right. But I do agree. I think it's in, and, and, and this goes back to like our beginning conversation as far as like Bitcoin maxis, XRP army, all that. Don't get it twisted. We're invested in this so that we can create generational wealth so that we have options. But blockchain technology is here to control us, right? Mm -hmm. It's here once it rolls out, whether it's XRP, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Ethereum, it's full and total complete control, right? And so all we're doing is trying to set ourselves up so that we can go where we're treated the best, right? And, and have some whatever freedoms are left. Thank you, Gonzo. And we got 327 live listeners out there. Please show us some love and smash that like button. I'm deciding right now, should I show you a Mark Cuban video or should I dive into some Ripple XRP news? I think I'm going to dive into some Ripple news because that's going to be more fun this morning. Our biggest update so far is Ripple, C Ripple CTO David Schwartz made a big mistake back in 2014 when he chose to take company stock instead of a direct deposit of XRP. So David Schwartz, Ripple founders Arthur Brito, Jed McCaleb, and Chris Larson all received $20 billion XRP back in 2014. David Schwartz took a 2% stake in the company instead of $20 billion XRP tokens. The executive explains that there was no point in getting XRP from Ripple because he could simply purchase the token in the open market himself. He later went on to say this was a massive mistake. Chris Larson's net worth skyrocketed as high as $60 billion at the peak of the XRP rally and is now all the way down to only $3 billion today. CEO Brad Garlinghouse owns 6.3% of Ripple and also has over nine figures in XRP. And the biggest news we got for you guys this week is the fact that Jed McCaleb is totally out of his XRP holdings after he dumped nearly 9.5 billion XRP during the past eight years. Jed McCaleb has now sold over one fifth of the token's total supply during that time period. We're getting lots of bullish news around XRP, but what I think is so interesting is that Ripple plans on IPOing. Mr. Johnny Crypto is already taking part of that process. Why do you think Ripple CTO David Schwartz is going back on his statement and saying, I wish I held some XRP instead of the actual IPO? Well, because obviously, in retrospect, he could see that XRP's price appreciated before I, you know, Ripple's IPO happened. And, and when Ripple's IPO happens, he'll, be, he'll, he'll do well, but he may not do that well. And I think in retrospect, he's looking. But his logic at the time makes perfect sense. I probably would have done the same thing. I actually would have taken, well, I would have tried to negotiate half. I would have said, give me, give me 1% of stock and 10 billion XRP. But the reality is, yes, he could have gone out and I think he could have bought XRP in the open market. And I think it was like 0 .00, I don't know the number, but I heard it was like under a penny. So it was incredibly low. So he probably, maybe he was supposed to go and never made that purchase. I know I've said that to myself. Oh, we'll buy in the market. And then you forget to buy it. And here he is later regretting it. So I, I don't blame the logic. I think the logic is sound. I would rather own a company as well, a piece of its income stream forever, than an asset that they had no idea what was going to happen to it. And, you know, obviously now in retrospect, we all see it went up to three dollars. He would have been with 60 billion. I don't fault him at all. Um, and, you know, he'll he'll David Schwartz would be just fine, I'm sure. Yeah, you're spot on, Johnny. And I did misstep there. He wasn't offered 20 billion. He was offered 
500 million XRP tokens and then decided to take a 2% stake in the company instead. But I want to kick it to Andrew Cashel here. Andrew Cashel, what does this article say to you about the CTO claiming he wishes he held more XRP instead of the actual IPO? Um, not smart. Not smart to my idea. Uh, and I think David Swart is a very smart guy. Um, and, and if he says, yeah, I should have bought it, yeah, then he should have done it, you know? And uh, and and then still, you know, um, and that actually applies for everybody of us. I'm just looking here at, at the graph of uh, XRP USDT. It's going up and down and up and down and it goes up um, it's, uh, with many hundred percent and then it goes down again with 90 percent. Look at Tesla in the past. Look as elect. Look at Amazon at the at the at the past. You know th those kind of companies. They went up and they were slashed maybe eight, nine, ten times before they became very major companies. And that's what I also expect with with XRP. So just hold if you if you say it's a good company or it's a good coin. Uh, just uh, uh, do some dollar cost averaging additionally. Uh, it will go up, it will go down, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and gee, I, 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 I admire you very much with your all your uh, technical analysis, but that's all short term. We should hold XRP for maybe another five years and look what then happens. And then it doesn't matter anymore if you bought for 36 cents, which is currently, or 20 cents or 60 cents. It doesn't matter anymore because it will go so much up. And it will, if you, and if you have a reasonable amount, yeah, it, it it will make you happy. And then you can have that several houses in in several countries. And then there is no need for a chip in your in your hand anymore. Exactly. So, we had a conversation last week, Andrew, talking about what's better to exist off the grid or to exist everywhere at once. And I think in modern day, with all the technology we have today, it's much better to exist in multiple economies than to exist at none at all, because you can't be excluded from where we are. Gonzo, I'd love to hear some of your comments. And then I have an update from the XRP lawsuit that's going to shake our listeners. Yeah, you know, I agree with Johnny. I probably would have tried to like uh, try to get a 50-50 thing. But, you know, I'll take it to the other side. You know, Ripple still hasn't gone public yet. So we don't know what that full potential really is, right? What if Ripple turns in? Because think about all the moves besides XRP, all the relationships it has across the world. It's a worldwide company, right? With its data messaging service, everything that it does. Uh, what if it becomes the Amazon of the financial world? And then he's going to be looking pretty, right? I would have probably done a 50-50 thing, but we still don't know what the true potential of Ripple stock can be because they haven't gone public. So I, I don't think he's in a bad spot, like Johnny says. I agree with you, Gonzo. And I think that whatever happens with XRP, David Schwartz is in a great position to profit, whether it's the IPO, the ICO, or just the coin appreciating in price. But we have a massive update from the lawsuit going on. This comes from Jeremy Hogan's Twitter account. He was able to find a document talking about the SEC's guidance that they had provided during and after Director Hinman's speech. So the purpose of Hinman's speech was to provide guidance to the market on the legal issues before the SEC. Basically, Director Hinman was giving the market views of how the SEC would treat digital assets under securities law. When we watched this case, we've talked about how Hinman is becoming more and more important throughout this process. And now it turns out Hinman's advice, well, it was supposed to be guidance overall for the market. I think it's only fitting we start off with, I was going to say Johnny Crypto. Johnny Crypto, did you hear my last comment there? Because I'd love to hear from you on this case. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, so this is the one where he's talking about um, where, where the actual agent came up and admitted that. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about a smoking gun? When I saw this news, I'm sitting there and my head exploded. I'm sitting there saying, 
why is there even the case anymore? It makes zero sense. So what's the most important thing here now, obviously, is going to be an appeal that came out as to whether or not this information can be used in court. But, I mean, if the SEC is admitting, I, I just don't get it. If they're admitting that their guidance to him was also guidance that was acceptable as to what the SEC believes or is the SEC's acceptance, and that means that the SEC is admitting right here, folks. This is what it means in a nutshell, very simply. This means that the SEC is saying that Ethereum was not a security. And if Ethereum is not a security, and we all know that Ripple did exactly what Ethereum did, then by, by default, that makes XRP, or I should say in this case, what Ripple did, also not a security. And so it's just mind-boggling that we're even in a lawsuit. And that's why I start to think like, okay, people are not stupid. We're dealing with very, very, very smart people at these high levels. And the fact that all this stuff was out there and they knew it was going to come out sooner or later, it just makes me think like, you know, there's not, there's another agenda because based on this alone, you almost, there's no way Ripple can lose the suit. Now, will they win it too? No, because they're never going to let this go to the end because the SEC can't afford to have this become precedent that they can't use their uh, notice act anymore. So I think what's going to happen is somewhere soon, Somewhere soon, I think we get a lawsuit settlement. And how great would that be if Brad set this up perfectly so that the minute Jed's uh, stack of XRP runs out, the lawsuit goes away and XRP skyrockets. He'd really be sticking it to Jeb really good. 100%, Johnny. And I want to kick it to Gonzo here. Gonzo, when I was doing my research this weekend, Brad Garlinghouse talked about how the SEC, they take a bullying tactic. So what they do is they pick a crypto, they'll sue that cryptocurrency, and then it's going to cost them basically $100 million to fight the SEC in court. Most of these cryptos, they can't afford to go through that litigation, but Ripple can, and that's extremely unique. We also have some Cardano news that we're going to bring up later in this episode, how they launched their ICO outside of United States soil for this exact reason. But Gonzo, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, you know, I think the SEC got away with it a long time where they could outlast companies and they're forced into these bad settlements because they have unlimitless money. Well, they came up against Ripple that has just as a big a bank as they do, right? And and they, and they can go toe-to-toe with them. Uh, you know, we've always looked at this Hinman speech um, as like a pivotal point, right? You could tell early on that the SEC did not want to have this release for very specific reasons, and now we're seeing why, right? So it's really interesting if, you know, Deaton is right, because his theory has always been, once this thing gets forced to where they're going to have to come out with it, it's going to probably be a settlement. So it'll be really interesting um, if that plays out or if, if Ripple is in such a position of advantage, they decide to take it all the way to the end to create some type of uh, case law. But um, yeah. Yes, thank you so much, Gonzo. I was having a little hard time with the cameras there. But if you guys are enjoying this content, show us some love, smash that like button. 308 live listeners out there. We brought some additional very, very interesting news for you guys because we have a video of Mark Cuban talking about how his son, who's only 12 years old, is taking advantage of a lot of the cryptocurrency development going on today. And he's talking about how kids, they're going to grow up with this stuff. We're going to let this clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. Yeah, now he set up um... He took his PC that he has for school and he uh, mines Ethereum on it. And he's like, well, I don't think the Ethereum 2.0 is going to happen. So I'm going to give him this kid. Um, now he's 12. So I want to point out, he does not think the ETH 2.0 merger is going to happen. The 12-year-old Mark Cuban's son does not believe so. 
he knows where the money is. Like that's he, crazy. These kids growing up like around crypto. Now. It's totally different. Like for us, it's so new, but for them, it's like that's just all. Is that influence from you though, or yeah. from? Oh, yeah. get that. And his friends too, but me and his friends. Like me, like you know, he sees me trying to make money and just being an entrepreneurial. So he likes being entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um, but you know, in crypto in general, you need a reason to buy the token. Right. And if it's just for speculation. It's going to go up and down. It's probably going to disappear at some point because 95% of the blockchains are going to go. Boom. And that's a message that keeps being reiterated all around this market. 95% of crypto projects are going to go away. And the easiest way to identify which ones are not going to be here, well, the ones with no use cases. Anybody who watched this whole podcast, he talked about how him and Elon Musk are actually building use cases purposefully for Dogecoin. They want to use it as an entry to cryptocurrencies as a way of getting the regular everyday consumer comfortable with this technology. Mr. Andrew Cashflow, I'd love to start with you, my friend. What does this clip say to you? And how do you feel about the younger generation growing up around cryptocurrencies and inevitably, well, just adopting it? Yeah, it, it, it very, it's very interesting to see that the younger gener generation, they grow up with with with, with, with iPhones, with, with, with mobile phones, with, with, with digital wallets, with all the kind of stuff. It's just normal. They they grow up in in the metaverse, uh, and and what you see is really the divide between the older people and the younger people, and they just cannot cope with the speed, and that makes it makes it also very very interesting. What what yeah what what we are doing here? Um, I'm not so very familiar with uh, Mark Cuban because I know he is a, a, a an American a billionaire entrepreneur television personality, but. Uh, here in the Netherlands, actually, we never hear about him. So, uh, yeah. So, just to fill our listeners in, that's a good point, Andrew. A lot of people might not know who Mark Cuban is. He owns the Dallas Mavericks. He created, he made all of his money during the tech bubble in the early 2000s, creating something and selling it to Yahoo. And also, well, he's been a huge advocate of cryptocurrency. So, he's been one of the largest players in this market, creating additional use cases and also talking about it publicly. But I'd love to hear from Selman here. Selman, the younger generation, they're only using cryptocurrencies more and more, and I think we're only going to see more of it going forward. What does this say to you about the younger generation, the people who are 15 and under using cryptocurrencies? Yeah, that's um, so I kind of agree with them. Like 95% will uh, disappear, and but not like cryptocurrencies in general. Yes, the majority of them will uh, disappear most likely because we haven't um, like too many crypto projects that want to serve or uh, provide the same service and i believe you know most of them will disappear it really depends on which one is the most efficient and has the greatest you know community and of course uh customer base and these like young kids of course they're experimenting all and um i feel like you know in the next 10 years or 20 years you're gonna see so much new innovation in this space because you know the 10 year olds will become 30 years old and maybe with uh, like with 20 or 25 years um, they're going to be, you know, like pro programmers and they maybe already started and they're going to do crazy things in this uh, in this um, space. But I believe, you know, there are, of course, there are going to be so many different blockchains, you know, coexisting, but like not all. Uh, but imagine there is eBay, right? Globally very active. But then you have um, something like like eBay marketplaces in different regions. In Asia, there is something else and some countries there is something else so just like that you will have different blockchains that um will you know communicate with each other but like there's going to be these uh mass adoption blockchains like xrpl probably and um so i feel like yeah even imagine the kids now they're talking about e2.0 that's scary that's like telling me wow um 
it's 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 coming like something big is coming this is just like the first wave uh, but the younger generations will take over and they're going to lead this space and um it looks like um we're, i'm super happy that all of us and all the listeners now 314 listeners that's amazing smash the like button guys um what i love is the fact that we're so early and the kids of today are going to be the uh, leaders of tomorrow and literally we're investing it so early and uh, we're going to be so filthy wealthy. So one of the things he talked about like tremendously during this episode was the fact that he believes in play to earn and he believes in passive income. And he thinks people in our generation are so focused on passive income that cryptocurrency is going to be one of the best places to take advantage of something like that. But we have some Cardano news for our listeners with all of the stuff going around with the SEC and the regulation of cryptocurrencies. We deep dove on some Cardano news this weekend and we found something very, very interesting. So during Cardano's ICO that took place back in 2015, most of the coins were offered in Japan. This is important to know because if the SEC tries to prosecute Cardano, they are not a U.S. registered company. So I'm not sure if the SEC is even able to prosecute entities outside of the United States. I'd love to hear from Gonzo here. Gonzo, what do you think this move means for Cardano as a whole? We know they're the most developed platform. We believe in Cardano. But what does this say to you about how they might be planning for regulation even before the conversation begins? Um, I think it goes to show that Charles Washington is a very intelligent man, right? He was around in those beginning days with Ethereum, right? And 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 I'm not—I don't ever argue the fact that Ethereum at the beginning was a security. What Vitalik did with the way he did the offering made it a security. What happened with Ethgate? I believe it 100%. It's completely and totally scandalous. That doesn't change the platform or the technology or the development that they're building on it, right? But Charles Hoskinson is a super intelligent man, so he's thinking ahead. And that's probably why I don't know the exact rules when it comes to the SEC and if they can go after them. I don't think they can. But Charles is much smarter than I am. And you could see since he was around at the beginning of Ethereum, if he foresaw a problem, then he probably like Johnny always talks about, he's thinking up of the solution before it even comes into play because that's the way he makes moves. So I could totally and definitely see that. Johnny Crypto, you know, I got to put you on the spot here. You always talk about Cardano and we've gotten so much positive news, even during these bearish times. What does this article say to you about how the SEC may go about regulating cryptocurrencies and the free pass Cardano may have? I don't think Cardano gets a free pass. I think Cardano put them in a position where they might have earned that. You know, you've got this tells me that Cardano is not connected, right? Charles isn't connected to the big boys. ETH, you know, those folks obviously have a deep connection to some of the largest banking cartels in the world that run it. They didn't have to worry about it. They knew they were going to get away, you know, uh, basically free right and as you see here with the ethgate scheme uh scandal that they're, they're going to get away with it um because they, they have the connections it's, it's not what you know boys it's who you know i've been saying that forever and you guys will learn that as you get older so make sure you have good connections in life that's the key to it uh so charles didn't have those connections and needed to make sure he wasn't going to get pulled in and, and i'm not an attorney but i'm pretty i think i'm pretty certain that because it's a non-us company uh, that I believe he is free of being able to, of the SEC's hands anyway. I think he'll be okay, and I think Cardano will be okay. And I think Cardano is going to do well in the future. We know that the developers seem to be choosing them, and uh, which means we're going to see a lot of applications that come out there, and I think that's going to drive some of the Cardano usage. But very, very smart of Charles. The guy, if you ever listen to the guy talk, not only does he take no bullshit, which is why I love the guy, he'll tell you, you know, kind of like we do on this show, right, like it is, but he's also super He's super, super smart, genius. Always like he's a fantastic chess player. He's got all the pieces in place. 
He can see the game, knows where he wants to go, sees all the moves already, and put all the right pieces in place. And that's why he probably doesn't have to worry about the SEC. Almost reminds me of somebody on this show, Mr. Johnny Crypto. But we have an amazing video planned for our listeners today. As the former CFTC chair talks about the difference between a security and commodities and even goes as far to call cryptocurrencies commodities. We're going to let this go play and then get comments from the group. Here we go. Ironic that it happened on the same day that Coinbase uh, went public. But what's some low hanging fruit that he can kind of do quickly? Well, see, the difference is the SEC has authority over securities. And some crypto assets have been deemed to be securities. But the big ones aren't securities, like Bitcoin, like Ether. And those are the main things Coinbase trades. So Coinbase is not a securities exchange. Boom. I think that's the first important part of the clip that I wanted you guys to hear. But the end of this clip is what's most important. He talks about how early in the 2000s, I want to say it was about 2018, they were regulating Coinbase and they decided that Coinbase was not selling securities. They were selling commodities. So we'll let this clip play and then we'll get some comments from the group. Them to be commodities uh, because they were being used in derivative contracts. But is a commodity index or commodity well, exchange? Well, they, when I was chair of the CFPC, we we did declare them to be commodities uh, because they were being used in derivative contracts. And when something is used in a derivative contract, that automatically makes it a commodity. Boom. So what's important to understand there is that because it has a utility outside of price appreciation, that's what makes it a commodity. Johnny Crypto, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Selman G. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, I mean, it just says it all right there. I mean, this it's so... It's so convoluted and messed up because today Coinbase sells everything. All these exchanges are selling everything. So they're all going to be subject to getting sued by the SEC because there's easily an argument that the SEC can make that they can at least find one cryptocurrency that these exchanges are selling and say, oh, that's a security and now we're going to get sued. So we just get booted. Oh, sorry, Johnny Crypto. Are you still there, my friend? Yeah, I just my screen is going. Perfect. We're going to kick it to Selman. That's okay, Johnny. We're going to kick it to Selman here. Selman, what are some of your thoughts on that video? And then I'm actually preparing a clip from Charles Hodgkins Cardano talking, sorry, from Cardano's Charles Hodgkins talking about Bitcoin and other maximalists in this market. Um, I really don't know what to say. Literally, like it's uh, even now with Collecti, right? We're really trying to think ahead of time and want to make sure that we have all the legals, uh, you know, on our side and uh, uh, don't want don't want to hurt our um, community as well. And then like literally when you deep dive into that and he's talking about like how cryptocurrencies, the big cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, and it kind of felt like he was going to say like Ripple, but then he stopped. Anyways, so all these are not counted as security, but then you see Ripple is being attacked, even though literally it has so much utility besides price appreciation. And it was never meant to appreciate in price, literally. Like that's not the uh, first idea of bringing out a token. Hey guys, we're bringing out uh, like XRP and it's going to appreciate. No, it's it's to use something, right? A payment system on a public ledger. And um, yeah, so even now with NFTs, et cetera, I'm telling you, they're going to come after NFT projects as well. It's going to be a bloodbath, literally. So um, that's why we decided to really build it in Dubai. And literally, like so many projects we talked to, they're moving to Dubai because of regulations. And I'm so sad that America has like the leading, you know, democracy 
democracy and economic economy. power is literally, yeah, as a economic power literally is giving it away um, to other countries. It's just, I don't know, it feels sad. And um, I hope that they realize that they're doing a big, big, big um, um, mistake here and um, th that we see clarity and some ease for many projects that already launched that are trading but of course definitely should punish the ones that were scamming people there should be very strict regulation to that as well but the ones that are really like without harming the communities a lot of people ripple investors they're all like hurt and um it's just it's just awful and i think you know very soon like end of this year in 2023 we should see some clarity so let's see Yes, thank you so much, Selman. And we are going to dive into our last article for today, which may not be directly crypto related, but it's one of the things we always talk about. Nancy Pelosi's husband has purchased $1 million of computership stock weeks before the industry gets subsidies. So Paul Pelosi, who's Nancy Pelosi's husband, made a stock purchase of over $1 million in a computer chip company just weeks before potential for Congress to vote on subsidies for this industry. So I just wanted to point this out that typically she's ahead of the game. They have insider information here. Mr. Johnny Crypto, just some really quick comments on what's going on with Nancy Pelosi. And is this an indicator you'd like us to talk about on the show? You know, at the end of the day, it's who you know, not what you know. And they obviously, they have the connections. And, you know, if Nancy's husband's buying this, I mean, obviously think about this. Think of how, how brilliant this is. So he comes and buys it. He knows that there's a, a bill coming up that's going to talk about it. He'll probably, you know, so he bought it. He'll dump when the rumor, because people start buying this thing, he'll probably start dumping on it, at least some of it. And then the rest of it, who knows? But it'd be really, really curious. Oh, yeah, there we go. I want to see the details. Does it say what he actually bought and, like, how much? At what price? Oh, 200 calls. He yeah, actually so 200 call options or 20,000 shares. Does it say what price? Because that would be really the value. That would be that would be valuable to everybody here to know what they think um, is the is the price point of where this is going or, or where it's at. Because that's going to be a true indicator. But again, no surprise. You know, this is what happens when you uh, when you're in a system that allows you to trade on insider information. It's unbelievable. Awesome. And I'd love to get some closing comments from Gonzo here because Gonzo, everyone's talking about the Ethereum merge and you're our self-proclaimed Ethereum expert within the Academy. I know you're on top of all this stuff. Maybe you can just provide some guidance. Everyone's watching for that September 19th date. I know we only got about a minute here, but I'd love to hear some updates. Yeah. So the first two test nets have gone pretty good. We, we still got the Gorley that's left. Um, just remember that gas fees are not coming down, right? Uh, all that's happening is it's making more energy efficient, 99.95 more energy efficient as it goes from proof of work to proof of stake. And then the issuance drops. I think it's about 4.2 right now and it's driving to 0.2. It's less than 1%. Uh, along with the burn mechanism, sometimes ETH will be deflationary, right? Uh, we won't get the reduction in gas fees until we get the sharding, right? For now, we have the, uh, um, the layer twos that, that are helping with that scaling. But yeah. Amazing. Thank you for that update, Gonzo. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Mr. Johnny Crypto, cue up that music, my friend. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Selman G. Thank you to the Crypto Goliath. And thank you to Mr. Andrew Cashflow. We got 289 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. Selman G, please address Collecti Labs, my friend. Token launch next Wednesday. We're going to bring out a news analysis course as well. Check it out, guys. Join the Discord and follow us on Twitter to not miss out. Let's go. Warriors? Let's go. Let's go.
next gen.